On this edition of Geopolitics and Empire, we are joined by Dr. Roger Kotila, who is a retired psychologist, peace activist, president of the Democratic World Federalists, and vice president of the World Constitution and Parliament Association. We'll be discussing all things world government. And before we get to the interview, just a reminder, sign up for our email list, our Telegram channel, and our Twitter our principal video platforms are Odyssey, BitChute, and Brighteon. I don't doubt that the YouTube channel will be deleted by Pentagon-funded Google. And as our days are numbered on the platform, please get used to watching or listening to Geopolitics and Empire on these other video platforms or on the podcast audio platforms such as SoundCloud, Apple, or Spotify, or simply visit the website and sign up for the email list to get each new podcast. You can still financially support this podcast via Subscribestar, PayPal, Bitcoin, or Ethereum. All right, on to our interview with Dr. Cotilla. You know, I'm a psychologist in my background. <clears throat> I'm retired from official psychology, although I still am very active. I'm probably more busy, busy now than I've ever been. Uh, but I always like to ask people why you got involved in this kind of endeavor anyway. What what motivates you? I ask people, <clears throat> activists, I say, well, uh, what eats what eats what eats away at your mind at night that keeps bothering you? That uh, what's the motivation? So that's my question to mm -hmm. you. Why you even bother with this kind of stuff? Geopolitics. Uh, I like uh, the truth, right? And so I, I, I'm I want to know how things work. But I'm also opposed to uh, injustices in w whatever mm -hmm. form that we see. So, you know, as a U.S. citizen, I've always kind of been bugged out about, you know, the wars, police states, uh, the, how the economic system works. Um, so just, you know, this kind of, and not, not just from the American, from, from many, you know, the, some of the things China does in China. Yeah. Um, I've experienced censorship. Um, I mean, in Kazakhstan as well, you know, my, my pr private email service doesn't does not work in Russia or Kazakhstan. I had to go through like three VPNs to, to access my personal you email. Get, you managed to get censored in, in Russia. Well, yeah, the email service. But, you know, now, now yeah. I've, I've had big tech censoring me, you know, YouTube, uh, Reddit, Facebook, Patreon. Mm. So, well, that's probably a good sign. That probably means that you're on the right track. Well, a few weeks ago, I was mentioned by the AP. Uh, and NATO, I mean, their think tank, Atlantic Council, because I did that interview with Francis Boyle uh, that went viral a, a year ago where he talked about Corona being a possible leak of a bioweapon and that was just disappeared. So, yeah, you know, Francis Boyle, he's an he's the international lawyer, right? Yeah, yeah. He wrote the bioweapons uh, act. Yeah, he, he did a uh, a world court for uh, the uh, Earth Federation movement for the Earth Constitution years ago, around 1983 in um, Los Angeles. We, we uh, held a world court under the Earth Constitution and asked the question if uh, nuclear uh, weapons were legal. And so he was one of the international lawyers that participated in that. He's, he's really good people. Uh, fair is fair. So if I ask you what motivates you, I want to share why I bother with these kind of interviews and uh, what I do as an activist. Uh, my obsession is uh, nuclear war and the nuclear weapons. Uh, currently, my country has launched an arms race and I live in the San Francisco Bay Area. Livermore Lab is nearby, and <clears throat> these guys are uh, scientists and engineers there are working on adjusting these uh, nuclear missiles and warheads uh, for first strike and for use of nuclear weapons in conventional warfare. So that kind of stuff makes me very unhappy. But just the idea that uh, the nuclear arms, it's a race now, and, and instead of figuring out how to disarm, they're uh, continuing on this path that sooner or later something's going to go wrong. So that, that's the main motivator for me. Every proposal I hear from anybody as to what's going to save the world, I ask myself, okay, your plan, how is it going to get rid of nuclear weapons? <clears throat> and of course, if you're going to get rid of nuclear weapons, you have to ask, you also have to get rid of war because they go together. Uh, as long as we allow wars, uh, each side's going to try to get the advantage over the other. So 
that's kind of how I, in part, how I landed on this uh, world government issue. <clears throat> I was doing radio in San Francisco back in the 80s, and a reader <clears throat> brought me a, a copy of the Earth Constitution, sat at my desk for six months. But I started reading, and all, all of a sudden, the light bulb went on. I went, oh, wait a minute. This actually might work. Um, I, I, took, I had taken political science in college, but uh, had no, I really didn't have any idea of world government. So that was kind of the, the basis. When, when, after I read this constitution, I uh, flew to Colorado to a, uh, one of the founders of the Earth Constitution, a fellow by the name of uh, Philip Isley, who was a very wealthy uh, businessman and who spent somewhere upwards of about a half million dollars back in those days, helping to get some world uh, constituent assemblies to draft this uh, world constitution. In fact, they spent 30 years drafting this constitution. So I guess the, the reason I emailed you is you had a guess that uh, apparently wasn't aware of the earth constitution. And like many, many uh, right-wing and left-wing activists have kind of, uh, they don't have a full understanding of world government. Mm -hmm. So I guess to make a long story short, that's kind of why I appreciated your reaching out to me and letting me uh, talk a little bit about uh, world government. By the way, what you told me about what's going on with you, you'd fit in perfectly uh, with my group. Uh, I've put together what I call a, a mission impossible team. And these are uh, people that are top notch, uh, I call them defectors from the ruling class. Uh, I don't know if it's in Chinese philosophy or what, but there's this rule that uh, when the people are in distress, it's the duty of the prince to go to the aid of the people. So I've put together and am putting together a special group of people that, like yourself, uh, don't like the injustice. You know, let's, let's it's crazy. Uh, the U.S. got by with torture, uh, locking people up indefinitely. Uh, we could go on and on. We could talk about China. We could talk about Russia, et cetera. And all of this is is wrong. So, yeah. So, I mean, maybe we could back up a bit and start uh, with the reason that you emailed me. So, I, I previously I had on the Canadian researcher, Matthew Errett. Um, and, you know... I, on this podcast, I try to touch on a variety of, of subjects, and one of them is the recurrent. One of the recurring themes is from time to time world government. I have also had on Andreas Bommel of Democracy mm -hmm. Without yeah. Borders, uh, and again, one of my, uh, as I mentioned, primary interests in geopolitics and empire is studying you know how the world works. And the idea of world government is an ancient uh, belief, <laughs> uh, philosophy, desire. It comes in many fla flavors, uh, and perhaps we could kind of start with. Uh, the reason you e uh, emailed me to comment on Matthew's um, interview where he was uh, citing the League of Nations and the UN as types yeah. of world, world government. I've always uh, believed that, that, that they at least provide a foundational structure that in the future could be built upon, I guess, someday to bring about world government. And so maybe you could just start, you know, what's, what, how would you explain this idea of world government as well as um, you know, the League of Nations and the UN and how they fit in or how they don't uh, fit in. Yeah, that's uh, that's an excellent way to put it. The uh, the in my mind, the basic thing about the concept of world government is to bring in the concept of world federation. Uh, just world government on its own brings up ideas of uh, tyranny, centralized control. Uh, a, a tyranny, a dictatorship of a handful of people. and uh, But that type of world government uh, with ultimate power is different than a world federation. And the Earth Constitution is a federation where global problems are dealt with at the global level with, uh, with a world parliament and national issues that can be handled by the nation or handled by the nation, local issues handled by the local nation. That's, that's federation. And that's different than a central world government that does everything, uh, controls everything. That, that's not what uh, a world federation is. Now, the, uh, 
the League of Nations and the United Nations. Neither are world governments. Uh, there are, when the U.S. was formed uh, under the U.S. Constitution, we have to go back to the Articles of Confederation where you had 13 colonies. They were all independent. And it wasn't working. They were starting to go to war with each other, having trade wars, fighting over this, that, what uh, what would be the uh, currency that was accepted. And so when the uh, American founding fathers got together, they discarded the Articles of Confederation and substituted the U.S. Constitution, which is a federal form of government. So the Articles, the uh, League of Nations and the United Nations are equivalent to the Articles of Confederation. In other words, you have uh, each each nation maintains its so absolute sovereignty. <clears throat> now, in practice, the way that works is the bigger, powerful nations have more sovereignty than the little nation, the weaker nations, smaller nations. So it's not an equal uh, deal. But the uh, fact of uh, this sovereignty, which is written right into the UN Charter, causes nothing but trouble. And it's pretty obviously why. If a country is taken over, uh, for example, by a bunch of uh, sociopaths or psychopaths, I write, I write some, written some articles on this. <clears throat> uh, if your country has become corrupted and taken over by crooks, you have nowhere to go as an individual citizen. You're stuck. In other words, you cannot go uh, to the UN. They can't help you because only nations can go to the UN. Uh, you, you could go to the UN and complain and they could make resolutions. But in reality, they won't help you as an individual citizen with an injustice in your country. Uh, so I'm losing my train of thought here. So uh, the other thing about sovereignty is that uh, it, it opens the door for uh, uh, kleptocrats uh, who run the nation and steal from the people's money. And once again, the way the UN Charter is written, you, you can't, you can't, uh, you can't get justice. Now, the International Criminal Court is one attempt to get at this kind of problem, but it's, it doesn't, uh, it's not adequate. Nations can say, yes, I want to do it, or no, I don't. That's where this uh, Earth Constitution, which is a world federal government design, uh, is. I, I'm very attracted to it because it has a uh, a very well thought out world judiciary system with enforcement. Because the way it works now, there's no marshal in town at the global level, and the uh, particularly with the UN. The UN Security Council, the P5, with the veto power, they are all essentially above the law. And you see that when the, the US, in my opinion, this is where I'll probably join you sooner or later in getting censored. Uh, I think the United States is the leading rogue nation in the world in terms of violating international principles. And it's followed by maybe Israel, and uh, no, not maybe Israel is another rogue nation that routinely violates international law. And generally the world community can't do much about it because they just thumb their nose at uh, the International Criminal Court. The US even threatens the International Criminal Court that, oh, if you go after us, we'll go after you. I mean, it's, it's really, it's crazy. Yeah, uh, recently I think Israel was trying to uh, develop, um, uh, make rules about not having any of its citizens or itself uh, tried at the ICC. So they're trying to <laughs> get themselves uh, uh, immune. Um, so would you say then the difference between uh, your, your criticism of, of calling U UN League of Nations world government is that those are kind of like unenforceable treaty systems as opposed, as opposed yes. to what you're proposing, which would be like a binding sort of constitutional or exactly. federal framework? In political science terms, uh, the United Nations and the League of Nations is a form of multilateralism, and it's based on treaties. 
the nations agree to this or they agree to that based on treaties. But in some of my articles, I point out that treaties, the whole history of treaties, the treaties are, are like uh, building on quicksand because sooner or later, uh, some nation decides that in their self-interest, they're gonna break the treaty and they walk away from it, which is what uh, we did with the uh, climate treaty. So the point being, I guess that um, a government based on a constitution is stronger. It's not perfect, but it is stronger in terms of making sure that the uh, nations and the people that run these nations are working within a lot worth working within rules and laws instead of thumbing their nose at um, at the world really. I mean, when you think about what some of these nations are doing, invading Iraq, uh, Israel and, and NATO are, uh, I don't know if NATO, I think NATO's involved in, in uh, attacking uh, Syria and Iran. Um, and, 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 and there's no, there's no consequence. Uh, and, and this is wrong. You can't, it's, it's anarchy. And, and you can't run the world on anarchy. But in terms of uh, individual human rights, the Earth Constitution has a, a list of Bill of Rights, much like the Universal uh, Declaration of Rights. And what I like about it is that uh, it gives standards that are high. For example, in the United States, uh, we have a lot of homelessness here. Uh, you go to Oakland or you go to Los Angeles, San Francisco, or, or where I live north of, of uh, San Francisco, just north of the Golden Gate Bridge, we have people living in tents all over the place. Now, according to the Earth Constitution, that's a violation of your rights. And if we had the Earth Constitution in power, uh, the government could step in and, and get it fixed because it's a right you have to shelter. It's a right you have to clean water. It's a right you have for food. These are basic rights. As, as world citizens. So uh, another question I have uh, in terms of movements and working toward the goal of world government or however you want to call it, you know, um, there's your work through the Democratic World Fe Federalists and you your call for the UN Charter Review. There's, <laughs> there's also the work of, you know, Democracy Without Borders who are calling for a UN Parliamentary uh, assembly. Yeah. I've heard of something called, I, I don't know if it's in the same uh, vein, Concert of Democracies or Democracies 10 or D10. I think it's, is it the Community of Democracies? There, yeah, there's different variations. So, you know, how many movements uh, are there today? Well, I don't know if there's any real movements. There's uh, people trying to do their best. Uh, all of these movements are rather small. Uh, Andreas Bomo with his uh, UN Parliamentary Assembly I think has done really pretty well getting a lot of ex-parliamentarians to uh, support uh, adding a second house to the UN. Where we differ with Andreas is he has no plan as to how to bridge the gap. It's all fine and dandy to have a parliamentary assembly, but the way he's, they, it's designed so far, it has no power. In other words, it would be just like the UN General Assembly which has no power because in the UN charter, only the uh, P5, the uh, Security Council has power. They have the veto. So that's, that's where we differ with Andreas, but still uh, I support what Andreas is doing because it is uh, helping to get together representatives from around the world for a world parliament. <clears throat> now in the earth constitution, what, we would call what he's doing the House of Peoples or possibly the House of Nations. In the Earth Constitution, the House of Peoples is an attempt to represent 7.6 billion people on the planet Earth. And the design calls for 1,000 uh, districts, 1,000 delegates to a House of Peoples. The uh, House of Nations essentially would become the, would be the uh, current UN uh, uh, General Assembly. One of the things that surprised me, by the way, if you uh, study the uh, resolutions made by the UN General Assembly, by and large, 
they've had conventions on women, convention on disabled children, uh, disabled uh, uh, conventions on this and that, but they're all done and written very well, a lot of wisdom. And I would rather have the UN General Assembly running the world than I would the UN Security Council. The uh, if you look at the facts, the UN Security Council, I, I consider it almost. Here, here we go again. I'll probably end up in your boat getting censored, but I almost consider it a criminal cabal because they're the leading weapons dealers in the world. And instead of bringing us uh, peace and security, the Security Council has brought us nothing but war after war after war. Uh, my own feeling is that the UN General Assembly is going to need to declare the Security Council illegitimate. And they're, they're going to have to take over the, the, the UN. And your point about the, uh, the role of the UN, <clears throat> uh, my group, the Democratic World Federalists, we're, we're working towards a, a charter review using the United Nations, working with the UN. And our argument is that if we get charter review, we can open the door to bringing in the Earth Constitution for the UN itself. So the UN becomes a real world federation. Now, the, the, the nations that are going to say no, are, here's my guess, will be the United States will say no. Israel will say no. Saudi Arabia will say no. England will initially say no. Uh, but uh, France, China, India, these other nations, Russia, I think would will go along with with a new United. What we're calling, we're asking for a new United Nation. That's the theme line. We want a new UN under the Earth Constitution. Now, depending on, we're kind of hoping that Kamala Harris. Uh, we have some connections to her uh, through. You know, she was raised somewhat in Oakland, California, and we have connections to Oakland uh, through through uh, my through Democratic World Federalists. Um, <clears throat> the other thing you should know in terms of uh, legal situation, we're uh, connected with a think tank in Brussels called the Center for UN Constitutional Research. Yeah, we would really appreciate it if uh, people like yourself would look this stuff over and uh, help. We need to talk some nations into uh, agreeing to do this. Uh, are you familiar with how the uh, International Criminal Court got started? I guess you can refresh my memory. <laughs> well, basically, a couple of small nations uh, started talking about it. And it grew into, and then the World Federalist Movements and World Federalists helped. And it grew into what's called the Assembly of States Parties. These are nations at the UN that want law and order at the global level. But of course, the US said, no, we're not going to participate. We're too important to actually have to follow law and order. Uh, Russia and China said no. But nevertheless, the, uh, the court is here and the principle is very important which is holding individuals accountable right now when uh, biden uh, attacks somebody or obama uses the drones or bush starts a war these guys should be taken to criminal court but instead it doesn't it doesn't happen the, the international criminal court isn't strong enough to do it but my point would be that even a few nations start looking at the Earth Constitution, decide they want to open up the General Assembly to charter review. That's half the battle. Then we need to popular, in my mind, we need to uh, get a popular movement that asks for this uh, Earth Federation government. And if we don't, if we don't get to that combination, some nations wanting it, uh, popular demand for it, it won't happen. And one of the things I don't like about the Earth Constitution is that it's too damn democratic. Meaning, the Constitution says that if the people don't want the Earth Constitution, they don't have to have it. 
even though in my mind, as a, uh, I was trained in my program as a uh, scientist, even though I'm a clinical psychologist, I had an old, old fashioned PhD program where they made me learn two foreign languages, Jesus. But anyway, uh, the scientist part of me says that in terms of the type of government that could eliminate nuclear weapons and war, the only thing that comes to mind is World Federation. If you think about it, uh, in the United States, when California and Texas don't have a, uh, have a, a disagreement, they, uh, they don't go to war. They either go to court or they go to Congress. And we don't worry in California, we don't worry that, oh, Texas has got an atomic bomb. And that's what we need the nations, the relationship between the nations to be a federation where we don't have to worry if Russia's got a bomb or we've got a bomb or China's got a bomb, that all of this military nonsense goes away. Once that goes away, the domestic issues uh, can be taken care of, health care, uh, free college, uh, child care, all of these things that are really needed, needed in all nations. You know, we met, we met with some representatives uh, with, uh, of uh, ASEAN, uh, Association of Southeast Asian Countries, and they met with representatives of Democratic World Federalists in San Francisco. So we asked them, well, you know, what, what do you guys want? And it, it shouldn't surprise you, even though some of these countries are dictatorships, it was they wanted to get rid of poverty in their countries. They wanted to deal with climate change. They wanted nuclear, a nuclear-free region. We pointed out that well, you're not gonna. It, it's really not gonna do much good if the nukes go off. The radiation will spread everywhere. So, so much for nuclear-free regions. Mm -hmm. Well, that kind of uh, segues into part of my, one of the other questions I had, which I guess is a question that comes up. Uh, a lot on the Earth Constitution uh, Institute website, there's a section that discusses the safeguard against totalitarianism. You mentioned in the email, um, you know, the question isn't uh, big or small government, but good or bad uh, government. Um, yeah. I, I myself kind of tend to think, you know, like the Hobbesian uh, approach that man is bad uh, by nature and, you know, absolute power corrupts absolutely. Um, you know, th there are some uh, people, uh, I think I recently read an article by Nick Bostrom, who was sort of advocating that given some of the existential risks that face us, we might need something like a hyper surveillance, you know, biosecurity turnkey totalitarian state that would appear dystopian or could quickly become so. Uh, the renowned author, philosopher Yuval Harari has also spoken uh, of this and you know, so could you talk a bit about this danger of, you know, if there, if, if absolute power could corrupt, absolutely. And, you know, the safeguard of uh, against that. Well, there's two levels to that in my mind. Uh, first, the Earth Constitution has a, a, a parliament system. It's not like the U.S. system with a president. There's no president under the Earth Constitution. Uh, there's a rotating kind of the equivalent of a secretary general group like in the UN. And then there are some safeguards in the Constitution in terms of any government official that that goes astray. Now, but regarding the need to uh, spy on what the hell's going on, who's doing what, who's building bombs, who's building uh, chemical weapons and so on. Actually, I think that might be something we need in the beginning. Let's say that the nations decide they're going to go for World world Federation, that they're going to do it. They're going to actually uh, unite in a federation. Then you've got this question of disarming. U.S. disarming, Moscow disarming, China disarming, Israel, Pakistan, India. Um, there's going to be a lot of paranoia at first. Uh, the nations don't trust each other and they shouldn't trust each other right now. The way it, uh, sometimes in my uh, lectures, I point out that one of the main problems in the world, it's not just uh, crooked governments and uh, 
overly greedy multinational corporations and banks. It's it's also the uh, the secret agencies, the CIA's, the KG, the FSB's, the uh, MI6's, the Mossad. These uh, secret agencies do so much harm so often everywhere in the world, overthrowing governments. And they're above the law pretty much. They don't get caught. And when they do get caught, they uh, don't pay much of a penalty. And in this new version idea of a World Federation, Earth Federation, uh, I think that uh, these secret agencies have to be disbanded. But in the beginning of the disarmament, we're going to actually need to use these people to spy on each other to make sure nobody's cheating. And when you've got when you've got uh, some psychopaths running governments, it's realistic to worry about cheating. I work I worked in the prison system for twenty years in California, in the uh, Vacaville, which was the uh, psychiatric uh, flagship for the whole system. But what would happen is these gangs would have these fights and knife fights and this and that. We'd disarm everybody. And within weeks, in a couple of months, they'd rearm. And uh, well, well, why would they do that? Because they didn't trust the other guy. That the other, they're afraid, oh, the other guy's going to get weapons, so we have to get weapons. But that same principle is operating, in my opinion, now at the international level. Nation, we don't, the Americans don't trust the Russians. Russians don't trust the Americans, and they shouldn't. You, 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 uh, what's going on is uh, each side is trying to seek advantage, just like in the prison system. The uh, each gang tries to get a secret advantage over the other. So, part of the issues we're dealing with is okay. How how do we deal with paranoia in, in the current geopolitical system? Well, the answer is you have to have a world federation. Now, if you can come up with a better answer. I'm listening. No, I, I, I had another question, kind of a second part to that. So, as you mentioned, that you know, there, there wouldn't be a president, there'd be a parliamentary a parliament, and um, you, you talked about war in the military, and uh, you just mentioned as well corporate interests. And so, um, you know, whatever one thinks of the pandemic that's going on right now, I, I, I think that there could be pointed out, you know, some nefarious interests uh, or agendas, special interests going on that involve pharmaceutical companies, NGOs, and, you know, Bill Gates, Robert Kennedy Jr. has been covering this uh, very, very well. And I was recently listening to an interview by some whistleblowers or people who worked at the World Health Organization who have been saying that the world, the agency, the World Health Organization has been co-opted, you know, taken over basically by these corporate, uh, you know, special interests. And so how would you then deal with, um, Something like, like this would it, would it again go back to what you were saying earlier? Transparency, uh, you know, surveillance or the structure. Well, yeah, of- but but you need to be realistic. Under the Earth Constitution, there would be agencies that would take that type of accusation seriously. One of the problems you don't know who to trust. I mean, when we find out, like the uh, Amnesty International is somewhat uh, co-opted, Human Rights Watch, you can't exactly trust what they're saying. The White. The white helmet's a total joke. Um, the uh, Earth Federation government would would have a provision for a group that where you could go and get an honest evaluation. I, I think what you're saying is a real because a lot of money's being made with these uh, and and they're and these vaccines mysteriously are getting accepted very quickly. And and in my mind, medically, that's that's kind of tricky. It's hard to believe they've solved a problem that quickly. And then if you look at the actual death rates, one of the things that my wife and I argue about this all the time is I say, look, nobody's dying. <laughs> but she disagrees. So uh, she, she she takes the whole thing as totally real. Wear the mask, get vaccinated, all of this, just like they're telling you to do. Myself, uh, I'm not so sure that that's actually the true accurate situation. I would be in favor of trying to figure out who's making the money on this. 
And I, I'm not in favor, by the way, of uh, certain types of corporations. I would like to see uh, under uh, state control, uh, public public ownership. These private, some of these private outfits, I don't I don't trust them mm-hmm. because because they're more worried about profit than than people, and I don't I don't think that's right. And so, if, if we take the the idea and kind of then run forward a bit. Um, if if we got an Earth Constitution or or a new UN um, brought about installed, what would sort of daily life look like for the average person living in India, Peru, Canada? You know, every, every nation would it be much different from life uh, today? Would we be voting for local politicians and or you know global politicians? What would well, yeah, daily life? Yeah, you'd still be voting for local uh, politicians, for for state, national politicians. For me personally, what the difference would be is I, I could go live a life of relative luxury, and I wouldn't have to feel guilty that there are all these people of the world that are that are getting cheated and living under in very poverty conditions. Uh, I, it bothers me that because I happen to be born white, uh, priv- somewhat privileged that I can live pretty comfortably and there are all these other people that are more deserving than me that are suffering. And uh, I, I just don't think that's right. I, it doesn't feel good to me. So, but under under a, uh, it's not, it's not going to be utopia. Psychologically, there'll always be troublemakers. Uh, there'll, there'll be uh, fights, this and that, but what there won't be is a danger of blowing up the world. What there won't be is there won't be wars between nations. There may be some civil wars. Uh, like take Saudi Arabia as one example. Uh, the people there might decide they're tired of uh, enslaving women. Uh, but but, but uh, there'd be fewer wars and we wouldn't have to worry about blowing up the world. We might have to worry about chemical weapons and uh, the cyber uh, security situation. But that goes back to the advantage of a federation is that uh, the need to gain advantage uh, would be vastly reduced. It, w- it wouldn't be perfect. There's always going to be a psychopath here or there that's going to try something stupid. But we would have a much better chance with all the nations in the world community uh, working together uh, you know, when, when we ask about uh, unification, or let's all work together, that's kind of a euphemism. It's, even in a family, there's disagreements. In a family, sometimes you don't you like one person better than another. Uh, but in, in my mind, we really are a global family, and that's how we have to look at it. But it's not going to be perfect. Uh, they're going to be cheat. They're going to be people that try to cheat, you know, the usual human stuff. But this idea that there'll always be war, that we're basically brutal, uh, psychologically, I don't think that's correct. And here's why, if you look at the general world in, uh, population, at any given point in time, all 7 billion people, the truth is that the vast majority of all people at any given point in time are living together peacefully, or they're living neutral. They're not really harming anybody. It's just a handful of people that cause this trouble around the world. It's just a very, even when there's a war, it's just a handful that are are doing it. So from that point of view, you could argue that man is basically good. And and I I guess on a somewhat related to that uh, statement you just made, is there there any spiritual implication or, you know, religious issue um you know we've got the pope going around i think he's mentioned uh uh promoting the world coming together uh you know i'm not sure the dalai lama uh i I think i I used to live in chicago and so i had visited when i was in my youth one of the seven baha'i uh churches which is in evanston right next to chicago so when i was young i I went there um is there any religious aspect to, uh, to the World Federation or, or, the, or the need to get on some people on board or, or something? Yeah, well, one, one of our leaders, uh, a philosopher in Virginia by the name of Glenn Martin, Dr. Glenn Martin, uh, he his writings include a spiritual element. <clears throat> and I personally think that the Earth Constitution itself is a spiritual document because of 
uh, the kindness in it, the caring, uh, the even call it love. Uh, but to answer your question about religion, it calls for freedom of religion. Baha'is are wonderful. They're already there. Uh, some, the, the ex religious extremists are going to be a problem. I, I would love to have the world, the, the religious community get on board. Uh, the universal uh, Unitarians are already on board. The Baha'is are already on board. Um, the, I think the Pope sort of is on board. Uh, I don't know if he's if he's going to give up the idea that he speaks for God, but nevertheless. Um, but but the government design is is uh, secular. There's freedom of religion, but uh, but there's not going to be any theocracy. And this idea that some of the extremist uh, fundamentalist Christians have of uh, Armageddon and that kind of thinking uh one of our talking points is that we, in terms of what we're doing, is we're trying to eliminate Armageddon. I call it disarmageddon. But yeah, I, I mean, if the religious folks got on board, it would really help because when they believe in something, they really do a good job. But you have to tap into the good part of religion, not that evil kind of mean part where, uh, where you're, you're supposed to hate the other religions. No, that, that doesn't work. All right. Um, you, you've answered already some of my other questions. One, another one was uh, how close, uh, like in reality, with your sober analysis, um, because this has been going on for decades, uh, in some aspects, centuries, this push toward some type of uh, global system. Um, how close in reality are we to any semblance uh, of what you're talking about? I think it's going to take a miracle. Uh, what we have in place intellectually, I think the job, I, I hope this doesn't sound too, you're not supposed to say this if you have a PhD like I do, but I'm going to say it. I think intellectually, we've already solved the problem. I think we know what the problems are, and I think we know what the solution is. So that part, I think, is already taken care of. What we haven't taken care of is popularization with the general population to support it, or the uh, young people to really get on board. And with the nations, we're still a long ways away from getting the nations on board. We're getting closer. We've had uh, some interest from India. And uh, India may be the first country that gets on board. Uh, we have a picture of uh, the Dalai Lama with the Earth Constitution. So uh, he's on board. But uh, yeah, no, there's I think there's a place the in the Earth Constitution, they have a third house called the House of Counselors, which is an invitation to uh, elect wise ones to a world parliament. Now, when it comes right down to it and world government, I don't know if if three houses will be if that's too many. But as it stands right now, it's a house of peoples, house of nations, house of counselors. That's three houses for a world parliament to represent seven point what six billion people. That may be too much, but the point being that uh, the uh, people that drafted this constant, and by the way, there were a dozen Nobel Prize winners that endorsed it. Um, I, I don't know if, um, if, if that's going to be too many, if it's going to come down to maybe just uh, one, one house, I don't know. Um, now, I believe in miracles. And as you and I talk, I, I, I would like to say, oh, we've got this organization and that group on board, but we don't. Uh, we're at the level of uh, finding individuals like yourself, people with a certain type of awareness. <clears throat> I have somewhat of a specialty working with geniuses or studying an amateur on geniuses. And, uh, but I don't just look for brain power. I look for heart power, because in my opinion, that's as important as brain power. And so the people that I work with, they're like you, that injustice bother, actually bothers them. It's, they don't pretend, they're not being nice. It bugs them because they know it's wrong. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and you mentioned the wise men. That reminds me of this organization called the Elders, which includes Peter Gabriel uh, as well. Uh, and and as you mentioned, the stuff that bugs me. Like I don't. I, I think I spend more resources in producing this podcast than any financial gain I, I get from it. So indeed, for people listening, you know, <laughs> this is, I, I moonlight. I stay up late uh, doing this stuff. Uh, another question. You know, one of my last questions is: um, We saw World One, World War One, kind of. Uh, be the prologue to the League of Nations, and we saw World War II kind of be the prologue to, to the UN. Uh, recently, President Putin at the World Economic Forum gave a fascinating uh, lecture, and he was kind of calling out these Klaus Schwab Great Reset people, and he was warning uh, that you know we are on the brink, potential brink of a, a of a war of all against all breaking out. That it's basically we're we are like in 1930s uh, right now. You know, just your final comment on the geopolitical global um, situation. I agree, I agree with Putin. The economic situation's building up. It's, um, but also, you know, NATO has been getting closer and closer to Russia, surrounding Russia. Russians know it. Putin knows it. Uh, we're provoking, trying to provoke China. So it's 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 very precarious. Yeah, no, it's it's extremely precarious. And uh, I've tried to, I was in Europe, tried to get some of the people from Europe on board with what we're doing. And uh, they're still a little slow on the draw in Europe, um, but hopefully they could be very helpful. If the European Union would realize that the United States uh, doesn't give a damn about the EU, you know, they, we would allow a war in Eastern Europe or the Ukraine, a nuclear war, and that radiation would go to Europe. We don't give a damn about that, um, but the Europeans don't seem to get it. They they seem to, I don't know what it is about NATO, but they're convinced that Russia is, I guess, an enemy, which I don't believe that. I don't think Russia wants to fight. I, 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 know, I know people that have visited Russia or lived in Russia, and all the reports I get is the Russians aren't that different from you and I. Yeah, that's why back, I think it was 20... 17, I can't remember. I, I went with Sharon Tennyson of the Center for Citizen Initiatives. We went to Russia for a couple of weeks, talked with, uh, we met people like Gorbachev um, and, and others and Russian people. And there were, uh, in some of our meetings with local Russian people, there were older women who were in tears, kind of just saying what you were saying that, uh, you know, their memories of the, the of the World War II or, or of their grandparents, and they don't want to fight a, a war and they can't understand this aggression against uh, Russia. Um, what would you see, what is China's role going forward? Well, I, I really, right now we're currently studying China's economic model because it's been very successful. Uh, they're emphasizing publicly owned corporations we think is very smart. Uh, we have here in the United States, Ellen Brown, who's been pushing publicly owned banking. She's a friend of the Earth Federation. And... Uh, uh, one of our one of the people that's helping us with the economic analysis. Uh, so, um, I now here I'm losing my train of thought again. By the way, I I, I know of Sharon Tennyson. That that center is really really good. She's really done wonderful work. Yeah, she she's great. Yeah, she's yeah. It was a great. And, you trip. know, Gorbachev is for world government. Yeah. Uh, um. I guess uh, another question I have is, you know, would do you think empires would finally disappear under a world government or parliament, and or could we see it as well uh, a way that the world government could could it itself be a, for, a form of world empire? So just your, you know, what are your final thoughts on the idea of empire? I don't see the uh, Earth Federation movement, uh, the Earth Federation government, as an empire. I see it as a way to to give. Uh, regular citizens of the world a voice in what's going on. And if that's an empire, well, okay, I accept that. But uh, right now, the average person, the average citizen really doesn't have a, uh, they have a voice, but they, they really don't, aren't in the decision-making, not really. It's just a handful of people, in my opinion, that are the decision makers, and and that's not right. If you, if you got uh, the average person together and asked them if they wanted nuclear war, you know what, they'd say no. If you ask them if they want war, they'd say no. 
but they don't get that say right now. So the, yeah, so I, I don't see it as a, as an empire, not, not in the evil sense. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, do you have any final, final thoughts to leave us uh, with? Well, just like I, I like to encourage people like yourself to end your work, to maybe study the earth constitution personally, take it seriously, study it. Uh, and in your interviews with other people, where you see that the Earth Constitution connects with something they're doing, just mention it. Start. We need to start talking about. And now, people like you, you you can interview a hundred people and all these bright ideas. But my argument is, at some point, we need to fo help focus. And one of my, one of my gripes, for example, with the anti nuke movement, is they're always having these meetings, these conferences, these webinars. But they don't focus, and so we're still not we're not making a breakthrough. And and I'm I'm saying to the activists, we need to, we if we focus, uh, they can still do what they're doing, but just bring in the Earth Constitution as part of the action. You know, so like we're 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 going we're going to run this story on China, in DWF News in a couple of weeks, and. Uh, We'll throw in some points about the Earth Constitution when we talk about the Chinese economic model, because it's a good one, and it might apply to the world at large, even to the United States. All right, um, we'll be looking uh, out for that. Where uh, is the best place for people to follow your work? Well, I think the uh, inter internet. Uh, I'm just going to give you one. Uh, it's Earth earthconstitution.world. Mm -hmm. Now, if you want to follow uh, me personally, because I'm somewhat of a maverick, I guess, it's earthfederation.info. And uh, I don't know how I'd describe, I'm working closely with the Earth Constitution people, but uh, what I'm doing also is uh, working closely towards UN reform, new U UN. So earthfederation.info is also pretty good there's some i think there's some really good articles in there mm -hmm. yeah, those were the two links uh, i had and i'll include them in the description uh all right um i'm certain well i guess people will be he hearing more of uh world government in the years uh to come in the years ahead uh, and as you mentioned those two websites will include the link and those are months to come <laughs> we don't we don't have years i mean there's some of these anti-nuke people that are saying oh we'll get rid of nukes by 2015 do you? Do they really think that we're going to last that long? Twenty fifty? Come on! Mm -hmm. 